Hey everybody and welcome to Anime Strogoff. I am Eli. And I'm Lilith. And we are getting back to you after uh Remember what I said like last episode how it is just way too cold out? Yes. To make a long story short, it got colder. <laughs> yes, it got very cold. <laughs> And uh, it, got, it got much colder. It got cold enough that it severely disrupted the production of this show. We had a small localized apocalypse here in Texas. Yep. Yeah, that would be accurate. Uh, uh, but this time on Anime Stroganoff, we're, we're starting up a, a sub-segment type of thing. This 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 may be a recurring bit for us, where we took we take a look at certain things and just try and decide where precisely did they go wrong, and what better to start with than Old Noah Zero. Old Noah Zero. Oh God! Okay. You showed this to me. Yes. Back when I was uh back when I was just a little weeblet. Yes, I did. Good times. I think I enjoyed it way more than I should have back then, if only because anime as a whole was just exciting and new for me. Yeah, that's true. But looking back now. Well, no, I wanted to like looking like looking back just throughout everything, maybe go, man, that was not very good. And then having to go back and rewatch it for this episode, I, I loaded it up. Uh, I, well, I tried to load it up on Netflix. It wasn't there. And I'm like, oh, thank God I don't have to watch it. I'm like, no, no, go find where it is. <laughs> I whimpered a little. <laughs> I don't like this show. I I have a very complicated relationship with this show. I should stress, just because I don't like something doesn't mean it's not good. Although in this case, it is not good. I mean, okay, yeah, overall, the show is not good. Also, when I say not good, I mean literally it's not good. I'm just saying the absence of good, not the presence of bad. Exactly. There's... It's boring. <laughs> okay. Sorry. To be fair, that's coming from you who's not a fan of mecha fights. No. Okay, I'm so we not. should probably so we should talk about this. So I'll know a zero is oh, yeah. a it is a summer twenty fourteen mecha series from Studio Troika. Same people who did recreators yep. and Lord El Malloy. Yeah. Some and other stuff. I think they did a sports anime An idol show? Yeah, that's what they're doing right now or whatever. Oh yeah, they did bloom into you. Regardless, uh... Truck has come a long way since this. Yeah, they actually only have, like, four series that they've done. Yeah, and only, like, a couple actual originals. They had any? I mean, Old Noah Zero is an original, and so was oh. Recreators. And Old Noah Zero was, I, was I think. I think very uh, first. Yeah. This is, to Studio Troika, what... Yojo Senki is to Studio Nut. Sort of, I guess. It's their first big thing. And unfortunately, Studio Troika kind of fumbles the ball. So for quick context, and 
a potential first fail point before the series even begins, sort of. So Gen Yorobuchi was involved yes. in the project. He was involved. From what I from what I read, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, but from what I was able to like read, he only came up with like the general concept and like worked on the first three episodes. That is more or less my understanding as well. It was he had he had the concept and I believe he was the director for the first three episodes. Yeah. Now I will say first three episodes, pretty pretty good. They really they sell are, you on the series. They are an acceptable introduction. I mean, episode one, the landing castle's coming down. I literally rewatched the first three episodes before we started this, and I remember <laughs> almost nothing. Wow. You don't remember, remember New Orleans? A, a princess got blown up. <laughs> Riot watched her dad die in front of her. You only care about Riot. <laughs> um, They blew up the internet. And that mech that literally just destroys everything. Yes. That, okay. That's it. So yeah, as, as we said, Gary Rubucci was only involved with the first three episodes... Then he was replaced because he had to go off and do, I don't know, Hirobachi things. Well, actually, he went to go work on Common Rider, from what uh. I read. And time commitments wouldn't let him stay on. I don't know if Irobuchi staying on would have made the series better. But at the same it, time, I'm like, it couldn't have made it worse. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't have hurt. I'm trying to, to avoid more and more just, like, assuming that certain people with, like, a long track record are just going to continue on with that track record. But, on the other hand, if you have a track record for quality, it's safe to assume that, you know, there's something leading to that success. Very true. Okay, so we can obviously say that Season 2 is a bit of a shit show. Which is an understatement, I would say. So, everything after the end of season one, we're not going to talk about. Because that's its own level of failure. That is the series in free fall. If, if we're talking about where it went wrong, that's not where it went wrong. That's where it was wrong. Exactly. We're looking for the moments that started it on the path towards where it would eventually become wrong. And so one potential fail point, as I've taken to calling them, is the departure of Ganyurabuchi. This one's hard to hard to justify in my opinion. Cause he's just the director. Yeah, I don't think that simply him leaving caused it to fail. I literally was watching it just earlier and I cannot remember anything. So let's let's refresh everyone on the plot of Old No Zero. So I'll run through a quick uh, recap. Oh, I understand the plot. Yeah, no, I know. But All I'm right. just like for everybody else. All right. So that we can kind of understand. Okay, so. So episode one. We get some backstory. We see daily life of high schoolers in a United Earth government regime where they're fighting against, well, in a kind of cold war against the Martians, who are also human, 
except they found ancient technology and became like their own thing. Yeah, it's, so it's I weird. I remember this distinctly from my rewatch. So when like people went to the moon, Apollo seventeen, they mentioned that explicitly. Yes. They went to the moon on with Apollo seventeen and they found alien artifacts. Specifically a hypergate that would allow near instantaneous transmission to Mars? Yes. So then people went to Mars, but that blew up the moon? No, that actually happened later. Oh. So they went to Mars, and then one of the researchers on the Mars thing unlocked... They found the Prothean cache. Basically. (laughs) Basically, yeah. (laughs) They found a big stash of magic alien space bullshit, and... And for whatever reason, they decided the Martians who started calling themselves Vers, decided to set up a monarchy. And then uh, a whole bunch of knights, because they started calling themselves knights. They created a feudal society for literally no reason. <laughs> anyway, so the, like, the Hypergate War or whatever was what blew up the moon. That was later... And it's what stranded most of our antagonists in orbit of Earth and also blew up the moon. Did we mention they blew up the moon? Yeah, because they blew up the moon. I just realized this is not the only anime where the moon gets blown up. I've seen three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Why does the moon keep getting blown up? I don't know. Wait, make that four, I think. Regardless, we're not here to talk about anime blowing up the moon all the time. We will talk about that later, (laughs) but not today. Yeah, the first episode, mostly just kind of slice of life, but there's also a bit of tension because stuff is building up and everyone's uneasy because, well, I mean, you live under a world government that conscripts everybody, or at least has them all give some old military training they're, they're, in they're, high school. For my understanding uh, from watching the first episode just earlier, uh, yes. everyone is trained. Yes. And then it's either you go to college, and if you don't go into get into college, then you have to like just do a quick tour of duty. Yeah. You know, basic, basic conscript stuff. There are countries who do that in real life. Let's see see how all that happens. And then there's the Martian princess who's coming down for a goodwill visit. And when she does, some terrorists blow her up because they're Martians who hate Earth and they want to like, they want to go for round two. So the Martians stage a false flag attack. Yes. To give themselves Casas Belly to go and genocide the entire planet. Yes, and so they launch a genocidal war without a declaration, and they drop their quote-unquote landing castles. They're not actual castles, but whatever. On a bunch of major sites, like New Orleans, Beijing, (laughs) Tokyo. I feel like this is the only representation New Orleans gets in things. I I think New Orleans has been in one movie (laughs) that I remember seeing. Like, no one ever mentions New Orleans. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, because here it gets blown up when the landing castle hits. 
and uh, we get to see an entire bridge full of people uh, cooked, turned into dust, and blown away in an instant. Ah, yes, one of my favorite things ever, watching people die. I've not gone into that. That is a topic for, like, a miscellaneous episode, but, uh, yeah. Okay. Fantastic. They also blow up Beijing and uh, Tokyo and some stuff. I think Don't they blow up Miami, too? Probably. I distinctly remember Miami being mentioned at some point. They probably attacked New York as well. Yeah, they blow up all the undersea uh, internet lines and everything. So there's no more communications. Which I I like, because it shows that they understand the value of communication. Like, coordination and all that. My one question, though, is what happened to all, like, the, like, ELF transmitters and stuff? No idea. Uh, those things literally can transmit through the Earth's crust. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> like, uh, they're, they're literally supposed to be, like, so that, like, the one thing you can't take away through a carpet nuking. The ground. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Anyways, so that happens. Episode 2. We get the protagonist in the middle of the evacuation of their home city, which is not Tokyo, but I think it's like... No, it's some city, like... It's nearby, but it's it's, it's it's near enough by to where they mention that troops that landed in Tokyo are coming to go kill their asses. And so one of the Martian knights deploys with a mech, and he kills the terrorists because, I mean, yeah... In the words of a very wise man, them boys on the grassy knoll were dead and buried in graves outside Tuscaloosa for, uh, you know, before the next day. <laughs> and I still got the shovel. <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, no loose ends, standard stuff. Standard issue. And they, they really thought that they would be promoted to knighthood. Killing a member of the royal family. They're not the smartest. Oh, I'm pretty sure they also didn't intend for anyone to know it was them. It's like, oh yeah, these guys, they totally distinguish themselves in our genocidal invasion of Earth. That, uh... <laughs> that did not happen. Yeah. Anyways, and Riot is there, and you like Riot. Yeah, I like Riot. Also, quick, quick tangent... I don't know what's worse. The fact that the guy didn't notice Riot standing there, like, ten feet away from him murderizing all of the other all of their spies. Or the fact that then, like, a computer pop-up put up after the fact and told him, Hey, there's someone you forgot to murderize. Go get him. And also, she was standing, like, fifteen feet in front of him. I understand he's in a giant robot, but... Well, he can't see when he turns on his field. Oh, yeah. He has to rely on the drones. Anyways. Yeah, whatever. Basically, the giant Mars robot fights a bunch of Earth robots, and the Earth robots get their asses kicked. And then the kids who are in the middle of the evacuation escape back to their school with a bunch of refugees. And so the rest of episode two and then episode three, they're working to figure out how to take down this guy like, what are his weaknesses? And that is the only interesting fight in this show, in my opinion, is them having to, to kill this Martian guy with the 
with the cool mech that literally just vaporizes everything around it. Each mech after the first one takes less and less time with less and less intellectual effort to to take down. They front-loaded their good ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, I like the plasma sword guy. His mech's alright, the way they take him down is pretty cool. I vaguely recall that. He, like, blow up steam explosion. Yeah. that That's the next one. After they take down the dude, and uh, turns out that the princess was alive in, in their refugee group. <laughs> I mean, that, that literally came as a surprise to no one. Well, sorry, no no one watching. In universe, it was quite shocking, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, the ninja the ninja maid was not very subtle, but... Anyways, and then the next two episodes, they're trying to just flee. And they get on a amphibious assault craft, not an aircraft carrier. But they fight the dude with plasma swords. And Inaho, our main character, he's the one... Inaho is the one that's been cooking up all the plans to take down the enemy mechs. He's ridiculously intelligent to an almost comical degree and has all of the personality of... If you could make bottled water have less flavor, <laughs> that would be his level of personality. Oof. <laughs> when has the guy ever displayed a single emotion? Well, after his uh, after his friend was murdered by the field guy, when he's killing the field guy, he's like, this is for my friend. He literally just—he dis- literally displays like two emotions over twelve episodes. You know what? That's fair. He, like literally, like, the, the the first episode is a mimetic over how chill he's. He's like, "Oh, hey guys, there's missiles incoming. We should probably move." With the most stone cold sociopathic demeanor possible. Anyway, so they take down Sword Guy, and meanwhile, Slain—he's this other guy who's technically an earther but his dad shot him to mars in a rocket we don't know he anything is... about his dad either which is really he has no pupils for some reason yeah that's really weird except in the flashback episode when he got shot to mars in the rocket he had pupils then the martians stole his pupils <laughs> which is weird because the martians have pupils and that's how they got them they had to reverse engineer the technology <laughs> oh my god uh anyways so he's he's a dude, he's a he's a good friend of the princess, and he finds out that she's still alive, and he's like, I gotta go save her. And so in episode six and seven, he goes and helps out the crew of the amphibious assault craft to fight another mech, because he's the only one who knows the we- mech's weakness. And then once they're done, Inaho punks him into the ocean in our second fail point, but we'll get back to that. <laughs> so after that, uh, the Earthers all find out that the princess is alive and they get a flying battleship as their new command center. Oh yeah, that thing. Simultaneously incredibly cool and incredibly stupid. It's pretty rad. Anyway, so they go to Russia, middle of Siberia, the uh, United Earth headquarters. I don't know why it's in Siberia. Yeah, I don't got a reason for you either. I think it wasn't even that that was the headquarters. I think that was just the only headquarters they had left. 
that actually kind of makes sense. Don't they, they They straight up mention like 99% of the world's population has been annihilated in like a week? Well, not not that much of the population. It's Well, we know that massive chunks of, the, of cities have been annihilated. So that's millions at least. Possibly billions dead. But... I don't I don't know if they ever get an accurate death toll in the first season. In any case, so they go to Russia and on the way they don't actually get into any more mech fights, I think. They mostly just have personal issues on the way. Like with Riot. Yeah, when she tried to murder the princess. Yeah. Twice. Good times. I think she actually succeeded once. Well, I mean, when will people learn that just because they've stopped struggling doesn't mean the strangulation has worked? (laughs) (sighs) But that's that's not pertinent to this. Anyway, so they get to Russia, and then they're like, oh, a chance to rest, resupply, prepare for a counterattack. And then the big bad, who's been like, who's like the leader of the conspiracy to kill the princess lands right on top of Earth HQ and then sends in a team to uh to sweep the facility and find and kill the princess and a bunch of stuff happens there's an airdrop at one point slain gets a mech at one point and then the very last thing that happens is so Inaho slain Inaho slain the princess and the big bad. Count Sotsbaum. Salisbury Steak. We'll call him Salisbury Steak. <laughs> we'll call it, yeah, okay. That sounds good. They all end up in the, like, central chamber of Salisbury Steak's castle. Meanwhile, two of the other characters who we've gotten to know are holding off the enemy from getting in so that Inaho and the princess can do their thing. Which, I don't know, it's like a forceful deactivation of the power source of the castle. And they yeah, do it. So, like, I feel like I have to mention this. So all their technology runs off of the space magic they found, which is called Aldnoa. Uh Apparently, like, the royal family is, like, the ability to, like, turn on, it on and off at will. I think technically anyone with the activation factor can. One of the, one of the reasons why they're space battle flying battleship is so stupid it runs on Aldnoa, which no one on earth like has the ability to turn on i seriously don't fail to see what their plan was if if, if they hadn't conveniently had a princess fall in their lap yeah yeah they would have been right faked anyways so stuff happens there inaho is heavily injured i think and then salisbury stake shoots the princess. Princess, and then Slain shoots Salisbury Steak, but stovepipes. Yeah. <laughs> and then... And then Slain and Inaho. I can't exactly remember. I think they pointed their guns at each other. They they have a sort of face-off. Uh, needless to say, Slain decides to put one in Inaho's head because... Reasons. Yes, very complicated reasons. Mostly due to the fact that Slain has gotten his shit kicked in several times over by this point. 
That's literally like one of his two character traits. <laughs> Just how much people punch him. Literally everyone. Yeah, yeah. It sucks to be slain. <laughs> Main characters, side characters, the villains. Everyone hates Swain. Except for the princess. Well, you didn't get to season two. I, I, I'm I saying for the purposes of season one. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I do vaguely know about season two. And <laughs> it's complicated. we don't talk about season two. <laughs> we will have to like mention it in a second. Anyway, so yeah, Inaho gets shot in the face. Salisbury's stake has been shot several times in the gut. Uh, Princess has been shot. I don't in know the where. Head. I, I don't think it was in the head. Then why? Oh yeah, I, this is gonna be something I'm gonna rant on later on. But uh, then why did her stupid head airbag activate? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, so and then Slain is there, and then the two other characters are holding off the enemy. We don't find out what happens to them in season one. I mean, the implication is that they get overrun at some point. Yeah, season one kind of ends with the implication that everyone but Slain is dead. Yes. Turns out, so season two rolls around, all of the named characters we just talked about are still alive. Such bullshit. And Inaho has a fancy new robot eye. And actually, so I never actually finished season two because... I don't it think anyone's really finished season two. <laughs> People have finished season two just for completion's sake. I know because I read the TV Tropes page. Apparently, Inaho's eye becomes its own character at one point. It takes control of his body and it becomes its own character for a short while while he's unconscious. And apparently at the end of the series... The princess marries some random character who was introduced like two episodes prior to the finale, and Slain ends up imprisoned for life, blamed for everything that led up to the war that just happened. Not only is he blamed for it, like the characters do, who do the blaming, like they're some, they're the good guys. They're like, yeah, we'll just like drop it all in Slain's lap. No one cares. <laughs> it's Slain. <laughs> I mean, Slain does does do some, like, you know, bad things in the second season. But they literally leave him holding the bag for literally, like, everything bad done in the entire show. Yeah. And, I mean, some people have pointed out, like, oh, well, if they hadn't done that, if they tried to pin the blame on the people who actually did it, well, those people were all dead. So, we can't. I mean, yes, you can. They're dead. There's no one's going to defend them. They can't defend themselves. Exactly. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, I don't really get that logic. Like, we can absolutely blame the dead guy for causing World War II. We can blame Hitler for causing World War II, even though he committed suicide, right? It's it's like how Hitler's generals just all just kept bl decided to foist all their failures off onto him because... I mean, hey, who's going to argue? Hitler was a bad person and did terrible things? That's not news. <laughs> very true, very true. I guess the implication here is that Slain is Hitler? <laughs> I guess the implication here is that Slain is Hitler. <laughs> anyway, so uh, as we said, season two is a mess. It jumped the shark starting with episode one of season two, and that's why it is not in the running for any of the fail points. So... 
that's that. Let's find out where this went wrong. Okay. Let's... <laughs> so we already mentioned Genyorobuchi leaving. Yes. So the next one I could identify is in episode five. Slain goes to the emperor and tells him to his face, he's like, hey, I know that the princess is alive and I know there's a conspiracy to assassinate her. Please stop the war before, you know, anything bad, anything else bad happens. And then immediately afterwards, the emperor's like, little shit, you were right, Salisbury Steak. He is a spy. And that doesn't make any sense to me, personally. But this does suffer a bit in terms of being a fail point in that it can be kind of weirdly explained by feudal loyalty nonsense because like the emperor is super old and Salisbury Steak is like a really loyal vassal and Slain is a foreigner so you can't trust those foreigners with no pupils (laughs) of course of course and so it's partially explainable your thoughts on this Eli I I do get it. I I do get where you're going from from there. Uh, it does kind of seem like a slightly slight contrivance just to like keep the established plot chugging along further. I have like a couple other points as to where I think it could go wrong. Okay. Uh, these are not related to where it went wrong so much as where it didn't go right. Uh, what which episode was it where like the one dude realized that Slain was telling the truth the entire time? I believe that was episode eight. Yeah, I think it was like episode eight or nine. I was thinking. Uh, he's like, "All right, don't worry. I have power. I have influence. I can. T- I can. You. You and I. We can set this right." And it could have been, like, the whole subplot with Slain could have been them trying to work within, like, uh, I almost said Veers, that's, um, isn't, isn't that Valvery? <laughs> uh, working with, working within Veers, uh, to, like, expose the corruption to the Emperor, like, you know, intrigue, cloak and dagger, give us, a, like, actually show us a lot of Mars and give us perspective on that and everything. And then he gets laser faced directly just into into nothingness. Like two minutes later, I don't even think like thirty seconds. He literally picks him and goes, "Don't worry, my child. I believe you. We can set things right." And then immediately gets lasered. Yeah, yeah. By Salisbury Steak, instantly. Yes, by by the villain. Yes, I mean I t- I totally understand that. Doesn't give yeah it that neuters an entire plot line. Another plot line that was entirely neutered was my second fail point, episode 7, the very end of it. Technically, I'm more talking about the time between episode 7 and 8, where Slain has just helped the Earth Forces take down another Martian knight. Yes. Pretty pretty rad. Good job, crew. I call him the crew. Yeah. <laughs> and then... Hinoho's like, okay, we've got a cool new battleship or whatever. This is going to be awesome. And Slain sees the princess and he's like, oh my god, the princess. I've been looking for you. Like, he sounds relieved and he's happy. And he's like, yay. But Hinoho 
goes, this guy is super sus. Probably heard Slane's heavy breathing. Huh? <laughs> I said he probably heard Slane's heavy breathing around <laughs> the princess. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, one thing I saw was that Eno's thought process is princess is supposed to be dead. He knows princess is alive. Therefore, and the only people who would know the princess is alive is the people who tried to kill her. So therefore, he's going to try and kill the princess. Ignoring the fact that they have a fucking battleship and he's out of ammo. And also, all the soldiers they have, he's one fucking guy in a fucking transport. <laughs> and so what does Inoho decide to do? Bitch slap him into the ocean. Well, first they point their guns at each other. And then... He punks him into the ocean. But, 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 instead of, say, capturing the enemy pilot who knows that the princess is alive and interrogating him to find out why he knows that, they just leave him. Or just grilling him for intelligence in general. <laughs> he, I mean, how he many new things. How many yeah. chances do they have to capture uh, a Martian, literally anyone? Not often. It's just, God. I'm just really frustrated by that still. I think we lose a massive potential arc where, because up to this point, Slane has been, like, disillusioned with the people he's been serving. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit. Uh, these people treat me like shit because I'm from Earth. And, and they're also genocidal maniacs. Exactly. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm the bad guy here. Maybe maybe I should go try and do something good. So he goes to try and do something good. He gets punked into the ocean, and they don't capture him. Yeah, he's he's set up as this ally to the Earth forces, and he never gets a chance to ally with the Earth forces. And so, like, he could have been an extra like an extra intelligence officer or something. Like he tells them, oh yeah. That mech. I know all about that one. He could have been the info guy. The guy with the inside knowledge. God he could have been the wild it. card. Also possible. Because all he cares about is keeping the princess safe. Yeah, exactly. And that's does introduce some interesting dynamics between the characters, but it's wasted. Yeah, they take advantage of none of that. They it's not I think part of the conclusion we're rapidly reaching is that Aldoa Zero didn't fail in any one place. It kind of dropped the ball repeatedly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Rayette plotline was completely dropped in like the season in the second season, wasn't it? Yes, because so basically her plotline was, uh, oh my dad is an assassin. He's gonna get promoted. Cool. Then. Oh no, my dad is dead. And then she, she actually kind of slightly has other uh, some of the minor minor plot traits that Slane has in that she you know she's torn between uh you know earth and Martian heritage except for her she has no earth heritage. So she literally uh feels that she has no place where she belongs. Yeah. And cuz her well she's Martian living on yes. earth and Obviously, the Martians aren't going to accept her, because she's... She has no way to prove she's from Mars in the first place. And exactly. the only people who know that she's from Mars want her dead. Exactly. 
and the Martians are running around committing freaking genocide. She's just like, you know what? Maybe the Martians are the baddies. She's like, but I don't exactly belong on Earth either. I mean, she was pretty much raised by, you know, the same genocidal maniacs to believe that all Earth-born people have to die. Yeah. She's in a very complicated position, and this ends up with her deciding to take out her anger on a symbol of the Martian genocide, I guess, in the princess when she attempts to kill her on multiple occasions. Yeah. She's also upset that like everyone's like, oh, hey, you're a princess of like the evil Martians that are coming to massacre the hell out of us. Welcome aboard. Get a, get a, get a slap on the back. Yeah, you're fine with us. Admittedly, she's also not evil as shit, but, you know, yeah. she's my favorite, like, guys, like, not even gonna question her a little bit. Nah, she's fine. Hey, as long as you want to kill Martians, you're good to, You're good with me. <laughs> and then not much happens with her for the rest of the season. And then her entire plot line is resolved in a single offhand comment in season two, apparently. Where it's just yes. like, oh yeah, I got over that. Yeah. Slane's character arc, it done well, could have basically carried the entire series. Riot's character arc, done well, could have basically carried the entire series. We got Inoha. I was about to I was about to say his character arc uh doesn't was it enough, but I just realized what was his character arc? He doesn't really have one. <laughs> I literally realized that while we're talking. He doesn't really have one. I mean, he does arc a little bit in that he's kind of like ambivalent about all the military training that he has to go to at the beginning. Yeah. And then he's like a diehard soldier by the end, willing to complete the mission at any cost. But he kind of was that way anyways before. And where's like, it just, I don't feel like we really develop towards that so much as it just sort of happens. Yeah. Uh, you said you had another potential point where things didn't go right. Um, the Rayette thing was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, just I feel like like in episode three, where well, I think it was episode three, where it was like we were int- no, we're, we're introduced her in like episode two. Yeah, episode two. But like where she, you know, she's introduced and just you know, they could have you know take had her character take on a huge role and been like super important, but they didn't. Part of her is being the minor character, but having her like suddenly grow into a major role later in the season. I mean, she. I think her character arc through most of season one was pretty good. Yeah, it was fine. She at least had an interesting character arc. But like, because something to consider is that Riot has no time to grieve her father, and be kind of hard to, you know, on the refugee transport. Because, you know, somebody comes over and asks, hey, are you okay? Why are you crying? And they're like, oh, yeah, you know, my dad, who was a hired assassin for the Martian government, <laughs> killed, assassinated the princess. And that's kind of, that's kind of how my day's gone. <laughs> well, it also wouldn't be too easy to say, oh, yeah, you know, my entire family was part of the 90% of the population that's been killed in the last week. True. Like, oh, same. <laughs> <laughs> Missed opportunity. Her entire her character was full of missed opportunity. Slain was full of missed opportunity. 
Uh, I think that's really what we're what we're looking at here is just piles and piles of missed opportunities. Good ideas, uh, interesting plot threads that never get tied up or just get cut off. I don't want to say it's because the because Yurobachi left. Because I, I feel like some of these threads already existed while he was like still on board. Mm. But maybe he had a different idea of how to go about them? We'll never know. Okay, last thought. Urobuchi has a certain... certain Style? Well, yeah, a certain style in his storytelling, directing, etc. And I believe he excels really well with grimdark stuff. Stuff that is very grim and very dark. He's done happy stuff. Okay, fair. But <laughs> what is he known for that's super happy? Uh, I don't know. Have Has anyone else watched Expelled from Paradise? I mean, I have. <laughs> you, you have because I made you watch it. That's fair. So I would point out that so much of Yurobuchi's work. It's very, very dark. Yeah, I, it's, it's overall very dark. But something that's pretty common is a little glint of light in the darkness. Yes, that hope makes the makes all the hopelessness seem much more bleak, but also worth getting through. It's part of why Madoka Magica is so good. It's, it's, I think it's part of why he's so well known for things being dark is he knows how to make things dark while still like you don't just tune out because there's that little glimmer of hope to string you along it keeps people from being disinterested yes and it also adds a certain element of drama to the story because there's I mean I'm mostly working off of Madoka Magica here but you know the sort of conflict between the hopelessness and the hope as those two ideas clash. And when you try and replicate that, if you just try and replicate the hopelessness without the hope, it gets it gets exhausting. It gets yes. boring. It's frustrating. It turns into Old Noah Zero, season two. You could do an entire episode on just Yurobachi and his work. And what makes it so good. Oh, so. God. But, uh, One yeah. Of it's... <laughs> regardless of what his level of... Par- regardless of whether or not he played a hand in any of the things we pointed out, I-, I think you can say that it would not have turned out the same way. I'm not saying it would have been better, necessarily. But it would not have turned out the same way had he been on board the entire time. Yes, I definitely agree. And so, yeah, I think... I don't think we've identified any singular point where all Noah Zero went wrong. I certainly... Episode 7? At the beginning... When you first mentioned this to me, I think I joked uh, deciding to make it (laughs) as as the point where it went wrong. But, uh... I... I, I I do seriously think that it's not that it went wrong in any one place. I think it just... There were multiple points where it didn't pay off things it had built up. And it just... At some point it just collapsed under the weight 
of the expectation. They built a decent foundation. They put up like they put up no supporting walls. There's no load bearing walls. And eventually once they put too much stuff on on the second floor it just collapsed. That's a pretty good metaphor. <laughs> Poor all no zero. I'll say this though. Pretty sure it was it was at least better known than uh Arjavalin, which was another mech series that came out in the same season. I think I vaguely heard about that. And I vaguely heard about people people complaining about it. Yeah. Nobody watched it. As you do. So now I would say that of the things that we see in All Noah Zero, all the like bad moments, a lot of that has that when Troika got another stab at an original work they released recreators which is really good it does have its it does have a few moments where it stumbles but if we were to go and look at recreators and compare it to all no zero i think we would see a lot of like improvement both in like animation and such but also in the plot works and how the story is put together and that it's a lot more coherent and interesting and it's not just trying to ape Yurobuchi. Yeah. And it pull, it actually pulls off the darkness and light thing that we were just talking about way better than All No Zero does. So, yeah, that's uh that's where All No Zero went wrong, just kind of all over the place. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Anything else? I'll I'll save my rant about their stupid airbag helmets for some other time. But yeah, All No Zero. I'll know a zero. Now let's take the focus off that. Let's start talking about how you can get contact with us. That's right. You can talk to us directly on the Discord or on Twitter or on our email. Mostly the Discord. Yeah, mostly the Discord. Go to the Discord. We have an email and a Twitter and a website. I, 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 full disclosure, I do not know how to work the twaddle. Yeah, that's fair. Technically, I am the only one in control of the Twitter. <laughs> but, I mean, I suppose if we needed to, I could give it to Eli. But he doesn't know how to work Twitter anyways. T- tell you what, you give me a Twitter account, it's going to be like the opening of Chef. You don't know what I'm talking about. I don't Never. know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's on my list. <laughs> the dude doesn't know how to use Twitter so he, like, tries to direct message someone, but he ends up just, like, tweeting it to everybody. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so he just he, he, leaves, he just tweets this huge, angry rant to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like you. In any case, I have been Lilith. And I have been Eli. And this has been Anime Stroganoff.